Post-secondary transition is about getting ready for life after school for students with disabilities. It involves learning important skills that will help them do well in jobs, college, or other activities. These skills might include things like communication, socializing, or learning how to handle different types of jobs. The idea is to give students the tools they need and make choices about what they want to do in the future. It's like a bridge between school and the rest of their lives. The goal is to help them be as independent as possible and have the confidence to make their own decisions. It can be an exciting journey of growth and self-discovery. Welcome. This is the Post-Secondary Transition Podcast. We have conversations around this process for families of students with disabilities. I am one of the hosts. My name is Patrick Cadigan. I am a public school special education teacher who is my co-host. I am Megan Smallwood, and I am a public school transition coordinator. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and dive in. Megan, do you want to set us up for today's discussion? So one thing that always comes up when those milestones are approaching, um, you know, 18 is a big one. Parents start asking me about what happens when my child goes to the doctor. You know, they've heard from other parents, well, the doctor's going to tell you you can't come in anymore and they're an adult now. So what does that mean and what does that look like? What should you know about healthcare transition as you prepare for those milestones? Okay. Uh, typically, like we always do, let's start off with a definition. What does, if you were to give a definition, what does healthcare transition mean? So it's basically that process of moving your child to that adult model of healthcare, And it could mean transferring to a new doctor, physician. Um, it could not, but, you know, it's, it's individualized. I know there's been some research done and it said that at least 85% of those youth with or without special needs don't have any anticipatory guidance about healthcare transition from their providers. Okay, so those are some big words. Anticipatory guidance. What does that mean? So basically, a lot of times the doctor's not prepping them, you know, hey, you're technically an adult now, you're going to be 18. You know, some doctors are better about it than others, but there's a lot more ownership about your health care and what decisions need to be made on yourself when you turn 18 for anyone with or with a disability. I remember when I turned 18 and now it's basically my decision. Am I going to get that flu shot? Am I going to have this procedure or this treatment? You know, it's 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 kind of scary, especially like if you're a regular child going to college and all of a sudden you're faced with, I can't have mom in the room to tell the doctor what to say. Think of that parent who has a child with a disability. And big questions are now being faced with to their child. Okay. So as I'm thinking about the families and where they can start, the question that comes to my mind is what should families be asking their doctors? So while you have that time as your child's an adolescent, you can start the conversation. You know, I, I know when they get to 18, they're technically an adult. So how can I best prepare them to meet with you alone or for part of their visit so that they become more independent and know more about their health or health care? Even with their disability, how can things be explained in a simpler form so that they can understand it? Um, you can ask your doctor what age they would recommend their child changing to a new doctor for adult health care. I know a lot of families who have been seeing the same doctor, and I know in our area specifically, we have specific institutes that treat specialized areas. They might continue to see your child until 21 or even further down, but a lot of doctors 
Um, other parents have said, don't feel comfortable because they are pediatric. So they will start suggesting, hey, you might want to explore options and maybe we can give you some recommendations. But before you do transfer to a new adult doctor, um, you know, get those suggestions or recommendations and make sure that they, they are communicating with that new doctor to send all the information that needs to be shared over to them. And then how does adult care compare to pediatric care? Like what changes? So we all know, you know, with your kids and pediatric care, the parent or your caregiver is with them for the visit. Um, they're answering questions or explaining any medical conditions that might have come up, medicines, any medical history. And they're very involved in making the choices about the care. When they're getting older and a good practice to start, prepare, you know, getting them ready for adult care is to include them when they make their appointments include them when they make choices or you're making choices about their care um, and have them ask you, you know, get them used to having to take some ownership because a lot of doctors will inform the parent and when it comes time for adult care that the young adult's going to see the doctor alone unless there is an agreement, which we'll talk about for others to be present. The young adult's going to be asked directly by the doctor, you know, questions about their medical conditions, any medicines, they need to know the information about what they're taking and how much, um, any history, you know, have they been hospitalized? Is there anything that they need to share? And again, they're going to be responsible for their appointments and their medications. And with so many of the conversations that we've had around transition in general, they're all 18 always seems to me to be that big number. So what happens for healthcare transition? What happens at age 18? Yeah, I always feel like, you know, you start the conversation with parents at 14 because that's the transition year in, in Maryland. And then I'm like, okay, we'll check back again next year. We'll check back until, you know, until 18. And you have parents who really want to talk a lot about it prior to 18, which is great. But like we said, 18 is that like tremendous milestone. The youth becomes a legal adult technically. And not only does that impact, you know, other areas of the life, it impacts healthcare. And depending on the doctor, some understand a little bit more, a little more lenient if they know that the child might need some help. But many will say, I'm just speaking to the child and not the parents about the health. And of course, you know, health information, medical records are private or confidential and can't be shared unless the young adult gives the okay. Um, and that can be something as simple as a HIPAA form being signed. So I think the big takeaway is when they turn 18, oh my God, no, you can't have any involvement. You know, it's, it's not a overnight switch. There are things that can be done right away um, before you make bigger decisions, like a simple form to be signed. A young adult has to make sure that they are giving permission that they want it shared. So it's simple as them saying, I want mom, I want mom to help me, you know, and then just having that form signed. But when they do turn 18 and the doctor is talking to the young adult, not the parent anymore, it, it does become a little trickier when it's not maybe just a doctor. If you have other doctors that suddenly are new to your child and don't aren't as familiar with you. If there's a hospitalization, like I know a lot of families start to get nervous, you know, as they get older, 
what happens? I worry about the safety and protection of my child. I want to make sure that they are taken care of, not taken advantage of, that I'm aware of everything. And there are many alternatives besides just the form, the HIPAA form I mentioned, to give you that privilege. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and then just for the uninitiated, and I can't imagine that there's not too many who are not initiated in this. However, what is HIPAA? Ha. It is Health Insurance Portability and Accessibility Act. Thank goodness I have a cheat sheet. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, I am not a doctor. I do not work in a doctor's office, but I've heard enough from parents and, you know, had experience over the years that it's breathe. It's okay. You know, 18 can be scary, but there are simple things that can be done to help. Okay. And this is essentially a law that, as I understand it, gives privacy rights to minors or people under the age of 18 for reproductive, sexual health, mm-hmm. mental health, and then anything else? Uh, and substance abuse services. Oh, okay. All right. So, and then does that does that change from state to state or is that is it like a blanket law that covers everything? Yeah, I would, if you were planning on moving or if you're listening from a different state, I would definitely check with your state's minor consent laws um, for more information on that area. Got it. So what can families, what can families do? Uh, They've hit 18. Mm -hmm. Um, What can they do? So like we said about that form, you can have a form so that you're able to see their medical records, be a part of their visit. If an, an individual needs help making decisions, you can talk to your family, your support team. Um, and your doctor about who needs to be involved and what you need to be doing to make sure that they're part of the conversation. I think something that can be done before 18, again, we we always talk about advocacy. I know it's a big topic with the IEP team, with the school team, having the child, young adult, recognize, I need help. I need some assistance. Can you help explain this to me? You know, those are things that they're going to use, especially when it comes to healthcare. And speaking up for themselves that I, they might not understand something, they need clarification, they need their support people. Why do I feel like that then this is a conversation that can transition into a discussion, which we have had before, by the way, but a discussion around guardianship. Am I, oh, am I, going, am I going in the right direction? You are hitting the nail on the head because, you know, at 18, guardianship is that hot topic that comes up. Well, I need guardianship because the doctor's not going to let me in the room. It is, guardianship is one tool in the toolbox. I know um, our friends at Disability Rights Maryland have used that expression, and they do a wonderful job about presenting all the tools in the toolbox. Um, So do not ever let anyone in the state of Maryland tell you you were required to get guardianship. It is a choice for you and your family. Now, that changes based on the state, but in Maryland, that is how how it is. And then I will say that that is, I know that we've had conversations in the past. We have had this discussion before around guardianship, but I think we have yet to have that conversation around alternatives to guardianship. So I have a sneaking suspicion that there is a future discussion in the works. Um, but in specific to healthcare transition, what are alternatives or other options if guardianship is not on the table? Yeah. So I know we said about the HIPAA form, that's a simple, you know, one. And again, we're not talking just about our, our 
adult, young adults with the most severe disabilities. This is for anyone who might need a support person, you know, to help them with these things. Hippoform is a simple one. Um, an advanced medical directive is another option that can be done. Supported decision-making is, is a great one that was uh, recently passed in Maryland. Um, and there's a number of states that support it as well. And it's an alternative to guardianship that allows the person to keep their decision-making authority because that's what we want, right? We want them to be in charge of the decisions for their life. Um, so it's a great alternative rather than appointing a substitute decision-maker, which is a guardian. So this allows the person to select one person or a team to help them think through and decide um, and communicate their decisions for, um, you know, in this case, the medical part. The supporters are there to ask questions, listen, give them some advice, but not make the decision for them. They have to respect the, the young adult's decision, whatever it may be, and the person retains their right to make those decisions. Um, it is recognized as best practice, and it preserves the civil rights of people with disabilities. So it's really eliminating that need for a guardian or a substitute decision maker in many situations. Supported decision-making in practice for healthcare. How would you describe that? So the supporters that they pick, um, you could, like I said, it could be a team. It could be mom. It could be dad. It could be someone that knows them really well. They will help the young adult receive this medical information in a way that they can understand so that they can make an informed decision. That could mean letting the doctor know that they need multiple meetings to discuss this so that they fully understand it. They need time to process. They need it explained in simpler form. They need it written out, um, whatever accommodation they need, because reasonable accommodations are under the ADA, so they're allowed to have them. Um, they're there to help advocate for the person um, if they need the time to make the decision, if they need to call a team meeting to discuss it more. Um, and the supporters, like we've mentioned before, can also use the HIPAA forms available to get information that they might need to help their um, supportery make their decisions. As someone, and you've often talked about your sister uh, mm -hmm. as you were growing up. So is, is healthcare transition, has, is that something that's, as someone who's coming to the conversation who's very new to this whole process, is, is that something that's changed significantly in the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. Great question. I mean, it's not... An alternative to guardianship was not something that was brought to my parents' attention, I know um, for a fact. It's definitely something that's really taken off. And I think with the way um, our country's changed with uh, people with disabilities, you know, we've gotten away from institutions. We've gotten away from, you know, separate um, scenarios. We're all about including them and giving them the power to make the choices and decisions of their life. Um, so it's definitely a turn for the better. And I wish this was a choice for my sister. And I wish my parents knew about it because my sister would be completely able to provide her own choices and decisions towards things. Of course, she needs her team and she recognizes that. But I think even though we have guardianship now, we still do the best we can to provide her that, but obviously we're limited. So in yeah, it's just, you know, it's just interesting to think what could have been. And I wish that it was an option. So that's why I think it's so important for me um, to make sure pa parents know all the options before they, they make their choice of guardianship or an alternative. I feel like this is one of those conversations where, you know, we're probably just scratching the surface that there's so many more 
that can be had. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, and you know, maybe this is one of those that'll come up at another time. But with that being said, I want to segue into, uh, because I have a sneaky suspicion, Megan, that you have a, a helpful resource. So we're going into our- I sure our, do. <laughs> so, uh, Megan, I'm going to let you throw out our, well, that's helpful resource. Well, um, Parents Place of Maryland, I know we've shouted out to them before. They are a great um, uh, resource for a lot of this discussion. And they are the ones to actually shine some light onto the six core elements of healthcare transition, which helps define the basic components of healthcare transition support, um, which include establishing a policy, tracking progress, administrating transition readiness assessments, planning for adult care, transferring and integrating into an adult practice. So there, if you actually go to the Parents Place of Maryland website, which I believe we'll probably put in the show notes, and I know you can find them on our website, um, under their resources, they have a healthcare section and a transition section that provides a ton of additional resources on healthcare transition. And they have resources also available in Spanish, which is great. Um, the actual website for the six core elements of healthcare transition can be found at www gottransition.org. And once again, there will be a link in the show notes for that. Cause yeah, I was a... going to say, don't be writing it down right now. I'm sure you can find it on the show notes, but um, it's a, it's just an abundance of information and just great to have. Um, I did want to go back to the supportive decision-making too. I know we will probably talk more about this and go more in depth than another podcast, but just know it is something that is recognized in Maryland and it's one of the less intrusive forms to help somebody make their choices. And we're always striving to have a less intrusive form as opposed to the most intrusive form, which is guardianship of support. So definitely something to consider when you're looking at healthcare transition. Again, I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm going to start doing uh, a lot more research into this because uh, as I heard you talking, I'm like, hey, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything (laughs) about that over there. I think I should probably know a little bit more about that. There's always more to be looked at and done. (laughs) Ah, Very nicely done. All right. So with that being said, we are always asking to follow the information from this conversation in our show notes. Please, please, please like, follow, and share out the podcast. We are looking to broaden our audience, and we want to get this information out to as many families as we can. Please visit our YouTube channel where we've posted videos of all of our conversations, including doing some of the legwork for you. We've curated videos of topics that revolve around transition, so we've got playlists to cover guardianship, alternatives to guardianship, ABLE accounts, and there updates all the time. So be sure to subscribe there as well. And finally, check out the website, which is chock full of information around the transition process. You'll find our contact information there. So you can go to www.postsecondarytransition.com. And we really appreciate the support. All right, Miss Megan, I know that we still have some more conversations to come. Always never ending, which is good. That means we have more podcasts. (laughs) Plenty more conversations to be had. I'll go ahead and sign us off. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, everyone.